0: This podcast is proudly part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. If you'd like to check out more Kaiju and tokusatsu goodness, go to kaijuramenmedia.com. Do you know the Muffin Man?
1: The Muffin Man? The Muffin Man! <laughs> yes, yes, I've heard of the Muffin Man. <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host Travis, and with me, as always, is my co-host Michael.
0: Hello, how is everybody out here in Radio Land?
1: Radio. Don't know why I
0: reverted to the weird British accent, but okay. Video okay. Land killed the Radio Land. Video Land killed. Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't know where to go from there. Thank you, sir, for, uh, for messing me up there. But anyway, uh, I'm fine. Uh, we're recording a little bit later in the week than we typically do, just because we've had a lot of life stuff going on. And, um, but you know, it's good to be behind the mic again. Hopefully, we're gonna have a good discussion for the folks.
1: Yeah, yeah and uh we've got everything should be good yeah and we've got a few bits of news to cover so we can go ahead and hop into the news for this week all right let's cue the bdbd cue the bdbd All right. The first bit of news is uh, we after we have talked about Pacific Rim, the Blacks second and final season that's coming out. We also got a trailer earlier this week uh, for season two, including hints to the Kaiju sisters, which are some interesting characters that we've been looking forward to exploring a bit more. Uh, What did you think of this trailer, Michael?
0: I thought it looked great. Um, I'm excited to see. I, I'm a little bit disappointed. This is the conclusion of Pacific Rim: The Black. I'm hope. I think we talked about on the last episode where you know we we'll, we'll, we might get some other Pacific Rim media come from this because there's a whole world of comics and things surrounding Pacific Rim that they could adapt to a television show. So this may be just like kind of how. Um, what is it? Uh, the transformers miniseries of uh, not fall. I almost had fallen kingdom. That's not right. Um, war for Cybertron. There we go. Um, that, that whole thing, the war for Cybertron series, uh, was, uh, was broken up into parts. So hopefully that this hopefully we'll get more, Pacific Rim media but it looked the trailer itself just strictly speaking of that I'm excited because like you said we're getting the Kaiju sisters which is a really interesting uh which is a really interesting character uh dynamic there that I think that I'm I'm anxious to see how they explore that on on the tv show
1: yeah yeah the idea behind like these these religiously fanatical people who worship kaiju these monsters that are coming through and and what they're doing and and how they're involved in all of this it's just really interesting i've i've been fascinated with that ever since they kind of hinted at uh that element in the comic books uh one of the prequel comic books to to uh i think i think the second movie i think it was the prequel comic to the second movie uh had them in it and hmm. so Uh, I've been really interested to to see more about this kind of like religious, fanatical, doomsday cult kind of thing that has birthed from all the kaiju attacks. Uh, But yeah, not much more to talk about for that until it comes out. So we'll just go ahead and move on to the next bit of news. The next bit of news is the announcement was made that Adam Wingard will reportedly, and this is according to Production Weekly, will reportedly be returning to direct the new Monsterverse film. That's that Monsterverse film that we've talked about that's going to be a quote unquote sequel to Godzilla versus Kong. Um, what do you think about Adam Wingard coming back to direct the next installment?
0: I know that I'm not in the minority, but there is like a large swath of the fandom that is not happy about it. Um, but i'm i'm personally excited i think it makes perfect sense for adam wingard to come back given the fact that uh um godzilla versus kong was a success uh hopefully what i'm hoping to get from an, another adam wingard movie is allowing him to to have a little bit more creative freedom than You know, because we all because we know by now that the script and the directing and the editing was kind of messed around with um, to keep the runtime down. So I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that Legendary won't tie Adam's hands all that much this time uh, for it for the other installment. And again, we don't know what kind of movie this is going to be. It could very well be the Son of Kong that we heard about almost a year ago. Mm hmm
1: yeah i think they're still uh, at least according to production weekly they're still using um son of kong as like whenever they refer to this film and i've never i haven't seen any official uh things saying that that even even as a like placeholder name i haven't even seen anything saying oh this is just the placeholder name i I have not heard any official word about son of kong at all. but who knows? We might see that. We might not. I don't know. But I just know that's that's something. Now, I there, I'm of two minds when it comes to this news. I think Adam Wingard did a decent job with Godzilla vs Kong. I there's there's some there's some directorial choices that he made that i think like you said i think a lot of it had to do with just he was limited in what he could do and he was kind of had to cut down a bit and there were certain certain a, a checklist that he had to meet and everything like that um but at the same time i kind of liked how the monsterverse was going where you had a different director for each film. You know, we had we had Gareth Edwards, we had uh mm. Vote right. Roberts, we had you know all these different ones. Adam Wingard. So I I'm kind of I'm kind of disappointed that they're sticking with Adam Wingard moving forward with the next installment, because I would have liked to have seen them continue with different visions and different uh styles of directing. Like we're gonna talk about later on in our main topic this week the gareth edwards is a great director and has a very unique style and I, I would have even liked to have seen him come back to do another you know monsterverse movie but they moved on from him and and started doing this thing of having different directors so i don't know I, i'm kind of i'm kind of disappointed but at the same time as someone who who's who wasn't as disappointed with Godzilla versus Kong as some other people were. I'm okay with Adam Wingard continuing the story that he was building in Godzilla versus Kong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think I'm with you there. Um, I would have, I would have liked to have seen Gareth Edwards come back. Uh, because I, like we, like we're going to talk about later, Gareth Edwards does have a very unique style uh it's less bombastic than um than maybe uh adam wingard style that we saw with uh, with godzilla versus kong it's a little bit more intimate and we'll we'll get into this later when we talk about our topic but but i think i would have liked to have seen um i think i would i would have liked to have seen gareth come back and do another monster verse film
1: yeah yeah for sure um Moving on to the next bit of news, we're crushing through the news uh, because we are running late this week and we want to try to get this out as quick as possible. (laughs) The new Ultraman series has been announced. It is Ultraman Decker and it continues in the Trigger slash Tiga universe. Um, We see him, the main character, wearing a Guts Uniform, which is the the monster kaiju fighting group from the Tiga slash Trigger universe. So, what this tells me is that Trigger must have been a success and must have been received pretty well because they're continuing it on instead of going back to the kind of Ultraman Prime universe where Zet and all the other uh, Ultraman were set. Um, so, You know, I guess that's a good thing. I I didn't stick with Trigger, so I don't know how if it got any better towards the end of the series or not. But it must have been well received enough for it to uh, get a direct sequel series.
0: I did not stick with Trigger either. Uh, I think I got about, I don't know, maybe five or seven episodes into Trigger and then um, kind of fell off. It just it just wasn't as interesting to me as Z, unfortunately. Uh, but Nathan, our friend Nathan, uh, co-host of the Henshin Men and, and Power Trip Podcasts, uh, told me that it did actually get more interesting as the series goes on. So when it comes back to YouTube, I'll probably just go back And binge it and watch it again but from what i'm understanding uh ultraman decker is the son of or it's the lineage of ultraman dinah because if there's that whole Mm. there's that whole um trilogy of tiga dinah and gaia so Mm -hmm. maybe subaraya is attempting to remake that trilogy
1: oh okay okay i gotcha yeah that's that's interesting and i i can see that because actually i in in decker's design because we have seen what this Ultraman looks like he did look a little bit like dinah to me so that makes a lot more sense um speaking of the design i like this design the asymmetry in it we don't get a lot of asymmetrical ultraman. They're very symmetrical when it comes to their designs. And this is an asymmetrical how the the kind of like chest plate armor uh, shoulder pauldron kind of crosses over in one section, but doesn't uh, come over the other section. I kind of like that. What do you think of the design of Ultraman Decker?
0: I think the Ultraman I think the Ultraman suits look great. Um the, the Ultraman suits are never a disappointment to me. There are some that are a little bit more overly designed for my taste than others, but consistently like the new generation hero stuff has been pretty good. I'm I'm a big fan of what I'm I don't like it as much as Z. I was a big fan of Z's design. Uh, Trigger's design was pretty good. I do like this design more than Trigger uh, because I kind of like that more. uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, but this like celestial uh, space kind of Mm -hmm. like nebulous kind of this nebula kind of design that it's got going. This nebula aesthetic that it's kind of got going on. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, all three of his forms, I think it's, uh, it's, um, it's his primary form, which the name of escapes me. And then you have the strong type and then you have what's a really interesting one called, uh, miracle type. And I think that's taken directly from, uh, Ultraman Dina.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah, so that's good. Dinah's one of those ones I haven't watched, um, but I know about just because of being immersed in the Ultraman lore. Now Um, I know who Dinah is, and I could recognize him if I if you held up a picture of him. But I haven't actually watched his series yet, so that's interesting. And and yeah, I like how you you said you're kind. They're kind of recreating these. Uh, this trilogy of series with tri- with uh, Tiga, Dinah, and Gaia—they're doing Trigger, Decker, and whatever comes next. Uh, I am—I'm wondering if they're leaning a little too heavily into nostalgia. But then Ultraman kinda has been doing that for gosh, what twenty years <laughs> now, so <laughs> or longer.
0: <laughs> yeah i'm i'm caught but i'm calling it now i'm calling it now and i told this to i told this to our friend nathan the other day i guarantee you or i'm betting i'm betting that the next series after decker is going to be called ultraman gemini because Ooh. from what i understand uh gaia uh there there is a set of twins in gaia if i'm not mistaken um so, and, the, and Gemini is the, um, is the celestial, is the, is the star symbol or whatever. I don't want you the hor- whatever, not horoscope, but whatever, you know, what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. uh, the constellation, there we go. The constellation with the twins.
1: Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds, that sounds like, I mean, believable. I don't know what else to say. It sounds believable. <laughs> And now moving on to the next bit of news. We had a trailer for a new animated film that features pirates and giant monsters called the sea beast. And this is from the same filmmaker who created Moana and big hero six, uh, not Disney, but the actual individual filmmaker. I don't remember what his name is. Um, who helped create those, those films for Disney, uh, he is putting this together and it's going to be released straight to Netflix on July 8th. Uh, I'll I'll start off the discussion with this one. I saw the trailer for this, it looks like like so much fun. It looks like a how to train your dragon style movie, but with pirates instead of Vikings. And I, I like that I'm I'm a big fan of animated things I used to have a YouTube channel dedicated to animated films so I, I just love animated adventure films the only thing I'm wondering is why is this going to Netflix why isn't this through a big big studio you know this is this filmmaker who created these things it, I mean he if he's already been working with Disney and other companies why why is he? why is it going through netflix so i'm a little i'm i'm wondering about that but as far as like just the trailer it looks good it looks fun
0: yeah it does look fun uh i think we'll definitely cover it um i like i'm a big fan of movies like this and we and i like animated movies i like animated uh epics like this like moana like Um. Oh God. What's another one? Um. uh, How I I loved How to Train Your Dragon. I really want to just. I really kind of want to cover How to Train Your Dragon at some point on this show, because I just love, especially that first movie. That first movie is 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 such an incredible. Uh, is such an incredible little film, and I'm sure we'll cover. it. It does look like a lot of fun, and there are. I don't know if the people behind this movie are kaiju fans, but there are some really weird uh, parallels between some scenes in that trailer and a certain Godzilla versus the sea monster movie uh, mm-hmm. with the giant crab. And it, it just looks like a lot of fun. Like it, it, it looks very, it looks very <laughs> cute. It's it's it, I'm sure there's like some really nice heartwarming out. El- excuse me. I'm sure there's like some really uh, nice heartwarming elements to it uh which you know not much to say about it right now that the 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 trailer looks great looks like a lot of fun and i'm sure we'll cover it because it literally has sea beast in the title so
1: yeah i mean think about it like w- between between uh turning red and this we've actually we're actually getting a decent i mean uh, two movies okay wow but two is better than none uh movies about monsters and big monsters rumble oh yeah and rumble i forgot about rumble. well rumble was last year but but still like yeah i mean i i want more of this i want more I and mean, we are getting the anime uh the kong anime we've got uh, pacific rim we've got the ultraman anime so so i like that they are there's this push towards animated uh monster media and i would like to see more family friendly i know you know pacific Rim: the black and Ultraman are not necessarily family friendly but like like you said with rumble with this with with turning red i would like to see m- even more monster media that's more geared towards the the whole family uh and and especially in animated form that's that's what i want to see so i'm glad that this is coming out and i hope it does well i hope it gets a lot of a lot of views Well, I think that's going to do it for the news, so we can go ahead and get into our main topic this week, and we like to ask the trivia question that hints to what our main topic is, and we always give a shout out to people who answer that trivia question. So the trivia question we asked last week was, before directing Godzilla 2014, Gareth Edwards also served as the cinematographer, production designer, and visual effects artist on what monster film? Uh, this was one he also you know also directed but he also did all those other things um and we start off right off the bat with nathan from the monster island film vault who sent us in monsters inc take that giant monster bs (laughs) you snooze you lose matt and grattan (laughs) and our friend damon noise who always sends us in some great answers sent in monster in law which as far as romantic comedies go not a bad movie
0: i actually kind of enjoy that one not no not a bad movie at all i went through a phase where i was watching a lot of rom-coms myself um and yeah, it's Monster in Law in is not a terrible movie. <laughs> yeah, there's, well, there's that. But look, man, I, I, I watch, I watch rom-coms by myself. I watched, what did I watch the other night? I watched, uh, 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 what, uh, what women want the Mel Gibson? Yeah. The Mel Gibson oh, yeah, movie. Mel what Gibson women one. want. I watched yeah. that the other night. It was, a, that's a pretty decent little movie. I haven't seen that one in a while
1: yeah i remember enjoying that one uh that was a good one yeah i i do like a rom-com i like to tease you know tease about it but i do like a good rom-com when they're when they're good they're good Um uh, when they're not so good they're boring yeah um, for sure but but that was a good one uh jane fonda jane fonda and j-lo i mean you just you can't beat that that combo there <laughs> Uh, moving on to our next answer. Mike's Monsters sent us just a gif of uh, what's his name from Kong Skull Island. I forget the character's name. William Randa. There we go. Okay, William Randa. Uh, yeah, but John Goodman's character saying monsters exist. Yeah, Mike's Monsters, great great uh photographer, great artist. Uh love working with you on Kaiju Ramen and uh all the work that he does is just fantastic. So check him out on Twitter and Instagram if you haven't, Mike's Monsters. We also got a response from Spideris who sent us monsters and then sent us the gif of Jinji from from uh Shrek saying, "You're a monster." <laughs> <laughs> hey michael thanks michael. Spiderus. do you know the muffin man the muffin man the muffin man <laughs> yes yes i've heard of the muffin man <gasps> <laughs> i love that scene <laughs>
0: that is is such a that is such a that is such a that's such a good movie and and a funny scene yeah you're right
1: yeah uh crystal lady jessica who always sends us in anime related things uh to try to trip me up to see if i even know what she's talking about half the time and she sent us in the anime called monster and jessica i have seen this anime uh, it is about a serial killer and a man who saved this uh, serial killer's life when he was just a boy, and then that boy grew up to be a serial killer, and now the man is like struggling with the the feelings of maybe I should have just let him die when he was a kid, and then you know it deals with a lot of that kind of like internal. Trauma and turmoil and stuff like that as he like seeks out the serial killer to stop him and stuff. It's it's a very, very interesting psychological drama in anime form. But uh, yes, I have seen that one. And last... But certainly not least, we have Nick Blackler, who sent us in Married with Monsters, an ambitious crossover slash reimagining original telling of a couple of young parents who may have bitten off more than they can chew. And he sent us in the poster for Married with Children, but with kaiju faces pasted (laughs) onto all the characters. (laughs) and it was it's just great it's absolutely great
0: i'm glad that he was able i'm glad he was able he chose a fi- he he chose a photo with godzilla's hand not down his pants
1: right <laughs> just just seeing kong walk in cuz kong is the wife so she walks in godzilla
0: when are you going to take me out (laughs) damn it Kong Uh, now now I'm now I want to know now I can't remember what oh come on Kong anyway I can't I cannot remember what the name of that fraternity was in the in that show but I can just see uh Godzilla played by Ted P- Ted Bundy, uh, Al Bundy, uh, uh geez, uh, <laughs> mar- 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 marching <laughs> off to his, uh, uh, yeah. Marching off to his, uh, what is it? His He-Man woman haters club or something like that. Right, I don't yeah. know what they're called. Honestly. I think,
1: I think that's what it was. The He-Man woman. I, I think so. And maybe yeah. not, but it was, it,
0: no, no, no. Cause no, that was, that was little rascals. That was, li- that was the little rascals. Yeah, yeah. But it
1: was one of those, it was one of those types of things. So, yeah. <laughs> so, of course, I couldn't forget. I would never have been able to live it down if I didn't read out Jimmy from NASA's response, which was Monsters versus Aliens, a.k.a. a loose adaptation of a chapter of my memoir used without permission. And Jimmy, you've been working on that memoir for years now, and it still hasn't been published. So. When are you going to get
0: to it? <laughs> I'm still not sure that Jimmy is even a real person at this point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We got to We got to read that memoir and find out. Uh, and then the last, this is the actual last one from Raymond Martin, who said not an actual movie. So most people wouldn't know this, but it's actually a series of commercials for monster energy drink. <laughs> Thank you, Raymond person. And that went in. And yes, we are talking about Monsters from 2010. It was directed, written, and all that other good stuff by Gareth Edwards. It stars mainly uh, because we have a bunch of side characters, but really the only two stars of this movie are Scoot McNary and Whitney Abel. And the plot breakdown, Michael, you said you have a plot breakdown for this movie. What is it?
0: I, I do have a plot breakdown for this movie and it goes a little something like a uh, photographer and his bo- and his boss's daughter fall in love while trekking through the Mexican jungle while trying to evade giant octopedal beasts.
1: Two white people somehow magically survive crossing Mexico in dangerous situations when all the other people die along the way. Hmm. Mm.
0: Mm. Hmm. Anyway, (laughs) Hmm.
1: opening thoughts on this movie, Michael, what are your opening thoughts?
0: I was pleasant. I surprisingly, I had never seen this movie before until, um, until I, until we decided to do it for this podcast. I actually had a lot more fun with it, uh, than what I expected to. I, uh, cheated just a little bit, and I kind of peeked at some of the reviews online about this movie, and they seem, for the most part, pretty positive. And I think that the mo- like mostly the people praise this movie because of what it was a- what it was able to accomplish on such a small budget. Uh, because this budget was not this budget was like we'll get into it a little bit later, but this budget was not very big at all, uh, and they were able to pull off a really interesting film. Um, I will say that this is not what you would expect from a typical monster movie if you're going into this film expecting like city destruction and a lot of like death and and monsters eating people there's none of that there's there's death but it's not like direct it's not like it's not like what you would expect from your typical monster movie and this is not your typical monster movie. This is, this is something whole, this is something really unique unto itself. And, and I really enjoyed it actually. Um, again, this is, I I didn't know what, I didn't know wholly what to expect from it, only from a few of the reviews and things that I'd seen online. Uh, but I did go into it with an open mind and I was pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah. Uh, this movie is the antithesis (laughs) to the argument that monster movies are only good if you focus on the monsters and the human characters don't matter because this movie is nothing but two human characters and with a smattering of monster stuff in the background. But, but with the overall dread and, and, and overall kind of, what do you call it the presence of the monsters is felt but but they're not seen throughout the film it's it's really just the two human characters that we're following and and their story so yeah it's it's kind of interesting to i mean especially if you're someone who watched godzilla versus kong and realize you know that the human characters were kind of shallow in that and they weren't really paid you know weren't really focused on a lot, and they were there. There was more spectacle and stuff, and then you go to this, and there's like the spectacle is dialed way down, and the character, the character drama is dialed way up. I think this is an interesting film in the chronology of of giant monster movies too, because you also put this into perspective. This came out in 2010. Like we had Cloverfield just a couple of years before this but this was kind of a dead zone of giant monster stuff we didn't really have a lot of giant monster media coming out godzilla franchise was on hold uh we were still a few years away from getting godzilla 2014 and yeah there just wasn't much monster giant monster related stuff happening so I I think this is interesting that this comes out and yeah, it did fly under the radar for a lot of people because of it being such a small budget. Didn't really get a big push in a lot of uh, cinemas, especially here in the U S didn't really get a huge, huge push and a big, um, a lot of uh, a uh, what do you call it? A lot of advertising uh, done for it, promotion done for it. But, so it flew under the radar but i i it's it's definitely an interesting piece when you put it in especially when you put it into the context of the history of giant monster media
0: yeah i think you're right there uh, and you can and i can honestly tell why gareth edwards because I mean, this was the film that gareth edwards uh was able to get the get the director's chair uh, for Godzilla 2014 because of what Mm -hmm. he was able to do on such a minuscule budget. Uh, and I mean, and you know, not that, not that $500,000 is, you know, something to sneeze at, but in terms of like an action, in in terms of like a, a a movie, like an actual in theater movie like this, you know, you $500,000 is, I feel like is nothing. Uh, and and what gareth was able to do on such a minuscule budget was was really good. I was very much surprised by that. And because I had heard some I had kind of read a few of the reviews and saying, oh the CGI is terrible, blah 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 blah. But honestly looking at this movie visually, it doesn't look bad at all. Like I would say that this is still on par with you know modern movies that were made in, in the 2020s uh or the late 20 teens uh, as far as like special effects go, because they re- I feel like they really took their time, uh, to make it as good as they could on their budget. And, you know, you're right that this, this movie does fit in a little bit of a, this fits in a, in a weird little pocket of the giant monster genre where it didn't get a lot of fanfare. In fact, I, for the longest time thought this was just a kind of made for TV sci-fi channel movie. And apparently it wasn't theaters for just a hot minute and it didn't get a ton of fanfare. I think the fans that know this movie and love this movie, um, have kind of discovered this movie years later after the fact and are kind of, it's become, I don't know. I don't know if cult classic would, it would fall under that category, but it is kind of one of those movies where fans have, um, have watched it and talked about it. And it's kind of, it's, it's, it's in the, it's in the giant monster genre. And what I find very interesting about this movie is it was, it it treats the creatures and that's what they're called in this movie. Just the creatures. They don't have a name. They, they just, they're just the creatures. Um, and it treats them more as part of the environment, in a way than like the overarching threat. And and I know there, they are the overarching threat. They are the reason why, uh, our two lead, our two characters here are trying to cross the Mexican border back into America. Uh, that they, they are the reason why, because they're, they're alien and they're kind of treated as sort of this invasive species where, they're only destructive because they're, they're only destructive when they're either threatened or the fact that they're just really big and they can't help it. They're just kind of this invasive, uh, species and they don't seem malicious. Uh, and you know, that seem it kind of goes into play, comes into play later in the the film, in the climax of the movie where we see kind of, uh, we see a, a different side of the situation in a way. um, but they're not malicious creatures at all. And I I found that really interesting.
1: Right. Yeah. They, they're treated like animals, like, you know, just, just animals that are Mm -hmm. in an environment. And, and yeah. Um, now I, I'm kind of upset that this movie didn't get the attention that, uh, uh, cloverfield the cloverfield got because this movie mm-hmm. is so much better than something like cloverfield and and, and that's what i want oh, hands- to oh hands down and i know it's not necessarily fair to compare the two because they are two different approaches to filmmaking and and, and making a monster film but being on a smaller budget being a non-established franchise you know and and kind of a you know from newer filmmakers they they do kind of parallel each other in a lot of ways so that's why i'm bringing up the comparison between the two and this movie is so much better at not just the handling of the monsters because i think the monster handling in cloverfield was okay but The characters, the human characters are so much better in this film. And I think that is something that Gareth Edwards brings to his films is, is he can get you right down on the ground. Like we were talking about before we started recording boots on the ground with the characters and make you feel like you're in it with them you're you're going through this with them which is such a a strange thing that he's able to capture that more than Cloverfield when Cloverfield was done with shaky cam from a handheld cam basically from the perspective of one of the characters but yet you don't feel like you're there with them and And experiencing it with them the way that you do in this film. And so I think that's just that's an achievement. and that's something that that Gareth Edwards brings to all of the films that he's done so far, even Godzilla 2014, he mm-hmm. has this way of, you know when I think of when when Brody is jumping from the plane and you know they're skydiving into the doing the halo jump into San Francisco, and you're there in the suit with him, falling. It, through the sky and everything it's just like you're you're experiencing that with him and so that's just something that i think gareth edwards is really good at um which is a another reason why i think it's a shame that he only got one chance to do a godzilla film i would love to see him do more uh monsterverse films
0: yeah this movie feels this movie feels really intimate um in a, in a way but and not intimate as in like uh, in the way that Cloverfield wanted to be because Cloverfield wanted to be that first person shaky cam film. And, and I'm going to say something that's probably going to make a, it's going to upset people because Cloverfield does have its fans, but this movie makes Cloverfield look like a made for TV sci-fi channel movie. That's what this movie makes Cloverfield look like. Like Mm -hmm. this is for this is first person experience. I feel like done right uh, and it's not overly done. You, you feel invested. There's only two main characters in this movie. And this is the only movie. I think this is the only movie that I've watched recently where the cast has been less than five people. I watched this. Uh, and then I watched a movie called Gaia a few, uh, a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Uh, that was really interesting. And I think we should cover, I think we should cover that on this podcast actually. It's really, really it's a, such an interesting little movie. And, um, Uh, this movie just feels, this movie feels intimate. This movie, this, this movie and gets you to invest in your characters in the way that Cloverfield wished you would get invested in your characters. Like I tuned, Mm -hmm. we did Cloverfield and I did not like Cloverfield at all. Like I just did not like it at all. I think you were okay with it, but I just, I just don't like that style. I don't like that style of filmmaking. I think that it's, I think it's dated. Uh, but I I I think it was dated when the Cloverfield was made. It was mm-hmm. it, it was dated after Blair Witch Project, for that matter. But um, but this movie takes sort of that intimacy that Cloverfield hoped that it would be, and actually does something meaningful with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, the just like i said the way that they are able to get the boots on the ground you you're able to feel the suffering feel the pain of even like the side characters when you see people mm. you know suffering or going through hardships and stuff and and there's there's the question that the the main character keeps asking one of the main characters keeps asking everybody that she meets is like why do you still live here if it's so dangerous why do you still live here and it's just like And, and, you know, and everyone has their own answer for it. And one of them, one of the people just says, where else are we going to go? This is where our family is. This is where our home is. And, and it's just like, oh man, you really get that just really human element Hmm. to this story in a monster film. You get the human element and the human suffering, the human casualties. You know, there, there's a, a scene in this movie where there's basically like a candlelight vigil. That they hold for all the ones who have died in the you know monster attacks, and they have a just a pile of bones there and the and a sign that says the unknown. And it's just like, you know, you really feel the human suffering and stuff in this that, that you don't get in a lot of monster movies, and, and and for a reason, because some movies, some monster movies don't want to focus on that. They want to focus on the fun aspect of giant monsters and that's fine. There's a place for that, but I just think that when it comes to this type of movie, this one does it really well. Now, uh, let's, well, I, t- I think oh, that, go ahead.
0: I think Sorry. that it, it's kind of interesting because I, I was, I was watching that. It's fine. I was watching that candle, that scene with the candlelight visual visual, vigil, vigil. There we go. Uh, and scoot, uh, McNary's character says something and I, it was just like a quick little lines, like oh the vibe changed oh the mm-hmm. vibe changed and like I think that that kind of it's a good little I don't know if it, I wouldn't say call, I wouldn't necessarily call it like the uh, breaking the fourth wall. But at that moment, the vibe of the movie kind of did change in a way because we're kind of, we're kind of made to believe or we're actually not made to believe, but we are kind of told in, a, in an indirect way that these creatures have been around for years at this point And people have just kind of learned how to, you know, exist with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like, there's that, cause there's that scene when they're in, there's that scene when they're in the hotel room. And I found this really interesting. Um, there's that scene in the hotel room when they first get the first place that they stop to rest. And, you know, the news has the playing of the, of the creatures attacking and the military and all that stuff on the TV. And our two main characters are just having a conversation like nothing's going on. It's just like, oh, well, the creatures aren't going to be here for another two days. You want to go to town and get a drink? You know that kind. There was no, there wasn't that like sense of urgency, and I found that really interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because uh, at this point, they said in the film that this this has been six years, six years that this has been like this, and it's just like, yeah. As much as as much destruction, as much human suffering as there is from this this disaster that's happening with these monsters life has to continue on people still have to live and still have to work and still have to do things and so you get that you get that from the the locals who are still just making a life even if it's a hard life in a in a what's not quite post-apocalyptic but feels very Mm -hmm. post-apocalyptic um it's post-event anyway Mm -hmm. uh uh country and, it's, and land
0: it feels very it it feels very like third world you know it feel, it has it has a very third world vibe to it
1: yeah yeah and uh and that and that actually ties into something that i really thought was interesting and i i liked uh about this movie is the setting you know we don't have a lot of giant monster films set in mexico or central america uh we don't have you know a lot of that and that and that I thought the setting was really good, not just for the the uh, the theme that we have for this movie, which we can talk about the theme that we think is in this movie, but just the just the fact that it's a unique setting in general, I thought was really interesting.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Cause like you said, we don't get a lot of movies in, in Central America. Um, you know, this is set in, this is set along the, the United States Mexican border. Um, and it's just, it's such, it just lends itself that, that part of, uh, that part of uh, the continent really just kind of lends itself to to just some really interesting and unique set pieces, I think. Like between like going from kind of the the slums to the city to the jungle to and then like finding a random Aztec temple in in the middle of the jungle and then looking and going climbing to the top of that Aztec temple, looking over the ridge at this very modern looking um at this very modern looking barrier that, uh, the United States has set up to keep the monsters out. Um, that is, uh, that is, that is, that's really interesting. And, uh, yeah, I, there's, there's some, there's some themes, there's some kind of commentary that this movie is trying to say, but it doesn't beat you over the head with it. And we can probably, we can get into that a little bit later, but I know we've kind of gushed for a little bit, Travis. So let's get it. We've talked about some of our positives. So let's, let's follow the formula of our positivity sandwich, where we talk about some positive, we sprinkle in some negatives, then we kind of circle back and, and land on some positives. So what were some negatives for you on this movie?
1: Um, a lot of the negatives in this, I have, are going to be the same kind of negatives that a lot of people had with Godzilla 2014, which is it's, it's Uh very slow in parts. And yeah, I get what Gareth Edwards was going with. He's trying to kind of create, create a, a slow build type of story, but like you said there was points where the urgency wasn't there and and i think that actually worked against the movie it worked good in certain scenes but then worked against it in certain scenes and so yeah and then the fact that you just you know there's huge huge gaps between seeing the monsters or even seeing or even yeah having the monsters there or having a threat like there's an overall feeling of a threat but but the actual physical threat is not there for most of this movie. And there's just huge, long stretches of just the two main characters talking, characters just staring at each other, characters staring at objects and things like that. And it's like I feel like you could have pared some of that down because I get that there you, know, you want to be more contemplative. And you want to f- feel mm. what the characters are feeling. But I think we can do that without having a 20 minute conversation um, <laughs> between two characters. I think yeah, you can pare it down some. So that's, that's that was my main thing It's just how slow moving it was in certain parts. It just dragged out
0: yeah it it, it does surf, it does suffer from sort of the same criticisms that we all had with 2014 uh, all the ones you talked about plus you know it being just a very kind of dark dismal movie which which uh, the visibility of the creatures themselves is not great and i honestly think that that works to their benefit because of one uh, the CGI wasn't fully fleshed out because this is such. This did have such a low budget. And two, um, it makes the bioluminescence of these creatures that much more interesting because these mm-hmm. are kind of these, uh, they're similar to, I guess they're similar to, they look like octopus. They kind of look mm-hmm. like, the, to frame it in the terms of like kaiju, they look like, like we talked about this, they look like Scylla. But instead of like a big kind of uh, spiral shell on its back, it ha- it looks like an octopus head mounted on six legs, uh, is what it is what it kind of looks like, and it's just kind of interesting. I, I'm just kind of curious because we get that scene. We get that scene in the we get that scene in the movie where they run across this tree that has all these growths on it, and it's it's kind of explained that these growths break off, they get into the water system, they repopulate, and then they grow into these creatures. Which we I guess we can kind of in, which can kind of indicate what we saw with the with the monster dragging the plane under the water. Um, if I had to pick a negative for this movie, it's that I wish that the origins of the creatures were a little bit clearer, were a little bit explained more other than just they were from space. They came back with a crash landed ship from space and that's it. So I guess we're led to believe that it was like a space parasite or a space, uh, a space leech maybe that evolved and grew uh, when it hit our atmosphere into something that we're seeing in this movie. I don't know. I just, I don't think it's necessary. And I like a little bit of mystery sometimes with a monster movie, but these creatures have been around for six years. I wish that they had had something in that film that kind of explained where they came from. And, uh, instead of just kind of leaving it up to interpretation, because we did talk about that. They, they don't seem like they're malicious. They just seem like they're animals. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, They're very different than like what you might get in or or like the creatures that you get in um, in a quiet place where those seem to actively be hunting humans and going Mm -hmm. after humans, whereas these animals seem to be just they're 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 trying to live their life and humans get in the way or they or they're actually outwardly attacking the 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 creatures. And so the creatures are fighting back and yeah so so i i think everything for me everything that was had to do with the creatures i liked um i i I mean i would personally would have liked to see more of them but i also understand a small budget that's fine that what we got Mm -hmm. is good i just yeah the the there's a lot of there's a lot of points in this film that really drag and and but when they when the creatures do show up or when there is those tense moments it's very good and you mentioned one of my favorite scenes in this movie which is there's something moving in the water and it just looks like a shark's fin and it's just you know kind of moving around under the water and you don't know what it is and then as it gets closer to the boat it stops and then it floats to the top and you find out it's the wing of an airplane that crashed and it's just being drug around by one of the creatures (laughs) under the water. I thought that was such a cool scene. So I, yeah, I think that they did good with it with uh I think, I think they did okay with the creatures, even with like the explanation of them. I think that for me, I got enough explanation, you know, there, they were, they were brought, back from a from a uh on a on a on a space shuttle the space shuttle broke up and crashed and this thing escaped and now we are now we're overrun uh what i wish they would have explained more was the necessity of the gas masks because we see these the main characters carrying gas masks we see them uh, we see signs posted everywhere of gas masks we get a little bit of an explanation that the the airplanes are dropping poison to try to kill the creatures but we don't really get a lot of payoff with it like there's no scene where the main characters are trapped somewhere and the and get and poison gets dropped and they have to rush to put their masks on to survive we don't get any payoff with that. And that's what I wish they would have paid off because it's such a visual thing throughout this whole movie. You see signs everywhere of it. You see people wearing them, you see people, you know, charging money to buy them and stuff, but you, you don't really get a payoff of the, the gas masks and the poison that the, that the planes are dropping.
0: Yeah. That was a little bit of a plot point too, uh, that I, I, Kind of wish that they would have elaborated on more, um, because it they do it, it is weird because they do kind of flip flop back and forth. Uh, do they wear the masks? Do they don't wear the masks? Do they wear? You know, it's it's never it's never really very consistent, um, and I, and and I'm like you. Yeah, I kind of wish that they would have done more with that. Uh, But I guess, you know, there's only so much you can do on a budget or or after you've, you know, kind of edited a movie. I, I don't know. Maybe they were just because this movie is very much focused on the romance, the building of the relationship between our two characters, because really, this is kind of a I wouldn't this is kind of a romance story kind of nestled in the middle of a monster movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, there is there is a little bit of that in there, too, Um the The relationship between the two main characters is growing. At, at the same time, you can see that the main the um, what's her name Whitney Abel uh, her her story is kind of like her. She's not happy with her fiance, and she's not really happy with getting married to this person. And so she's you know looking for a way out and everything. So yeah, you do get a little bit of that. Now I want to ask you. Let's talk about theme. What what themes did you pick up on in this movie? Because I know there's one overall theme that you mentioned before we started recording that I kind of had an issue with.
0: For me, I feel like this movie was trying to make a commentary on um on on refugees because dear i'm trying to think of what was going on in 2010 at the time i think maybe we were having some kind of refugee crisis or you know we've always had kind of issues with with you know people trying to cross the border and you know th- you know the border the border conflicts and things like that we've always had that so i thought maybe this movie was trying to say something to that nature uh you know because Mexico is not, is not like Mexico is i B I'm sorry. I'm sure it's a beautiful country. I've never been there, but I've heard a lot of stories like it's, it's kind of a hostile place to live in some parts of central America. So you do have, um, people trying to escape that, trying to escape that chaos and trying to escape that panic over into America. And that's kind of what I thought this movie was trying to say i'm i'm interested maybe if i'm wrong or if i'm reading into it a little bit more than i should have this was 2000 this was 2010 so this was pre this was pre like 2016 or something like that when like all like you know the build the wall wall talk and stuff like that was going on yeah build the wall talk and stuff like that i i kind of could see that but this was like this was not when that whole thing was like really hot and heavy in the news, so I don't think that was necessarily the the mental like the the mental direction that uh, that Gareth Edwards was kind of seeing here. But like I really kind of thought that this was supposed to be maybe a commentary of like the refugees migrating from you know Central America and trying to cross the border to for safety. That's that's kind of what I w- where my head was at with this. Again, I could be wrong, and I could just be reading more. I could be reading into it more than than I should be. But that's kind of where my head was at for it. No,
1: I I think you're I think you're right on the money in what the what this was supposed to kind of you know be a metaphor for. Uh, I think I, and I find it very fascinating how forward thinking or, or how well this movie plays in in twenty. 22 with masks you know them having to wear the masks Mm -hmm. and you know infection zones and you know walls and borders closing and and everything and having to find ways to cross borders uh it's one of those things that just like it's just as relevant to 2022 as it was in 2010 probably even more so as as time goes on so i think that's just oh I found for sure. that i found that fascinating but at the same time i i totally agree with you i think that the the point of this movie was to kind of m- be a metaphor for refugees trying to escape to a better place whether that be from mexico central america south america to the united states or you know, other countries that also have refugees and also, you know, are trying to escape from hardships and stuff. I think you're right. The problem I'm having with that. The problem I'm having with that is the story is two American citizens trying to get back to America, to the United States and not mm. a family or or, mm. a, or two people who are from another country trying to get to the United States. I and I think that if if they I, and I get it because on one hand there you're you're more likely to sell your movie if it's based around Americans, you, you know, people in the United States because especially when you try to sell it to an American audience. So I get that. But I think that if you're especially with this being a low budget right. movie, I don't think he was expecting to get a huge return anyway. If he really wanted to push that that narrative of this is about, you know, this is a metaphor for refugees, that he could have pushed it further. And could have pushed it further of being people who have never been to the United States before, but they're trying to get there. They're trying to escape, and then and then yeah. the United States becomes like a the land, the Great Land of Oz. There, it's this you know wonderful, beautiful place that we can escape to, which is you know what a lot of how a lot of refugees and people from and immigrants and stuff feel coming into the United States or coming into the country that they're going into. They feel like oh, we're, if we can just get to that place, then we'll, we'll be safe. We'll be all right. We'll be good. It's a land of you know beauty and everything and then because in the film spoiler alert when they get over the border and make it into the united states they find out that the creatures have crossed the border and they are now into the united states so now the united states is not a safe place mm-hmm. like they thought it was I thought I thought that they could have pushed it a little bit further. I think that would have been a better narrative there of 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 two people who have never been to the United States dreaming of being there because of of how different it is and how safe it is compared to where they're living and then when they get there the the shattering of that illusion and the realization that nowhere is safe. Nowhere is safe because these creatures can go anywhere and there's nothing that humans can do. I think would have been a better story overall.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot you could, you could mind there. I'm not disagree. I, I don't disagree with you that if you get, if, if Edwards wanted to just drive this narrative and drive this metaphor home, make it, make it someone who, who natively lives there wanting to cross over for safety. But maybe that was just, maybe he was trying to be a little bit more subtle with it. Uh, maybe he was trying to show that um, maybe he, maybe he chose American and, and I'm not saying that I'm like, I'm not saying that he probably didn't show, he didn't just choose the Americans for the, f- for the fact that it was going to be shown in America and that would have played better. Uh, but maybe he chose Americans um, to kind of put our minds on a more even playing field with the people that actually kind of go through those experiences um In real life, does that make sense? I hope I'm making sense there.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah, I can see what you're saying. You know, it's easier for an American audience to empathize with Americans who are suffering through something than it would be to, you know, because because as an American citizen, you may have visited another country, you may have visited a place, and then the struggles of trying to get back, you can kind of imagine yourself in that situation. Whereas you're you may not have not have been a refugee, and so. Yeah. I mean, I I think, like I said, I think, I think that this is a good movie and and we'll talk about like my final thoughts and, and, and Godzuki score at the end. But I still, I I think that if that was the point, but I think that if he, on the other hand, to kind of argue against myself, if he did push it further, then this movie would have turned into more of like a district nine and less like a, less like what it is Mm -hmm. you know district nine is overtly overtly about apartheid and and things like that in in uh south uh south africa so you know, it's it's the it wears its metaphor right there in front, like it slaps you in the face with it and makes you face the reality of what it's trying to tell you. Whereas this one, like you said, is more subtle. It's not it's not slapping you in the face with it. Whereas if if they went the route that I did, no. that I'm talking about, it might have been a little bit more slapping you in the face with the metaphor, which is not necessarily a bad thing either. But it just may not have been what Gareth Edwards wanted. But yeah, which
0: is. <laughs> No, it's not, it's not a bad idea either. I think that there is, there is a, an argument for subtlety because it can be a little bit of a turnoff for people to be slapped over the head with, you know, a very clear, with a very clear message like that. Uh, but so choosing to do something a little bit more covert and a little bit more subtle the way he, that Gareth Edwards did has probably played in, has probably helped this movie, uh, in the long run. Uh, and I and I'm I'm glad you brought up District Nine. I haven't seen District Nine in a long time, but remembering that movie, um, yeah, that one's that one's a lot more over in its messaging for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
1: um, yeah. So I think we can we could probably now move on to our final thoughts in our godzuki scores so we like to rate our movies out of five godzuki's instead of five stars or anything like that because we like to embrace the sillier side of giant monster movies when appropriate and we do that by using godzilla's bumbling nephew as our yardstick for measuring these movies so michael out of five godzuki's How many Godzukis would you give monsters from 2010? And what are your final thoughts?
0: This is a very easy four out of five Godzukis. Um. Because there are some things that I wish that they would have explained more like the gas mask, the origin story of the, of the creatures, even though we did get a little bit of that. Um, I wish that they would have kind of shown more of the monsters, but I kind of also enjoyed the fact that they were just seen as, as animals. Uh, they weren't these creatures that they were constantly, you know, having to run from all the time. They were just sort of these things, these forces of nature that they had to avoid When, when, you know, when they come across them and you know, this movie is really interesting. Like I said, I, I had read some reviews online about it and I didn't I, I kind of knew what the general audience consensus was about this film, but I still tried to walk into it with an open mind because and, and I was pleasantly surprised because this is a very unique entry into the into the giant monster genre. And, you know, there were some stuff about this movie that we didn't even get a chance to, that we didn't even really talk about. Like the the main ending of the movie, it come we're we kind of shown this really interesting, almost like heartwarming scene of two of these creatures mating or greeting one. I'm assuming they're mating is what they're doing. Um, and then our lead characters finally kiss and solidify their relationship. And it was kind of a nice, it was kind of a nice moment in tandem with one another. Uh, and they, at least, I think they tried to say that even the same thing. Um, that these, these creatures are not these malicious evil beasts that, that they're, that were made to believe they're just animals. They're just animals living their lives. And, you know, they're just, they're just big and they're invasive and they're just kind of getting in the way and, and, you know, spreading, I don't know if if they're spreading disease that's never explained, but, um, you know, they're, they're just not supposed to be here. And, you know, the, the overtness or not the overtness, but the covertness of the themes throughout this movie, I thought were, I thought worked really well. And, and to your point, Travis, you mentioned that, you know, this movie was a little bit of ahead of its time where a lot of the things that we're experiencing now in 2022, we weren't necessarily experiencing experiencing them in 2010, but I feel like this movie is more relevant now than it was then, and I, and that's why I'm going to go ahead and just give it a f- uh, four out of five Godzukis for that reason. It, just go watch the movie; it's a lot of fun. Go watch the movie. I'm thinking if you go into it with an open mind, uh expecting just just a, a solid character a character driven movie, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah yeah uh, I'm I'm right there with you. I give this a very solid four out of five Godzukis because it is it is a good movie. I think that the the filmmaking aspect of it what Gareth Edwards does with the cinematography with with the directing with the script writing with everything with the way that he made this movie it is very good. It is a very very good well made movie. I think that it falls into the traps that I think it's just maybe a style that Gareth Edwards has that maybe doesn't play well with modern audiences as much or, or like, you know, big budget audiences I guess you' know, the ones who like big budget movies um, which is that he is very it's a very slow burn very drawn out he did that with he did that with uh, Godzilla 2014 and he was he was doing that with Rogue one and and I think that's one of the reasons why they kind of stepped studio stepped in and interfered with it and cut it down changed it a lot because it was a, a very slow burn the way that he likes to do his movies. That's not a criticism necessarily of his style of filmmaking. It's just that there's an audience for it. And maybe the audience, he just hasn't reached them as well as, you know, he wants to. But... Yeah, if you can get past the slow burns and, the, and the, the really drawn out moments in this that are just like go for way too long, like some of the moments are just lingering way too long. If you can get past all of that, this is a fantastic movie and it is a very, very good monster movie. It's a very good movie in general and i think it's worth watching i think anybody who likes monster films it is a different take like i said if you're the type of person who was disappointed with godzilla versus kong because you wanted more depth and more attention to human characters watch this film cuz this is a monster film where it is all on the human characters and is all built in you know built around them and their experiences so so you can go and enjoy this it's just a different type of monster movie than some people may want or like but it's definitely worth checking out all right and now we can move into the next segment of the podcast and do you know what the next segment is michael
0: is it the mailbag it is
1: the mailbag what's in the mail today If you would like to send us uh, something to read out in our mailbag segment. You can do that kaijuweekly at gmail.com or you can tweet us at kaijuweekly on Twitter. We had a really long message that we got from our friend Nick Blackler who asked us quite a few questions and some of them we actually answered uh, you know, in private message. We actually did talk to him but wanted to read out a few of these questions and answer them on the podcast just in case other people might be interested in hearing what we have to say about these. So with the first question that he sent us through he said some mailbag questions one i would love to know not only what each of your favorite godzilla scores are which i think you may have mentioned in the past but also what other types of music do each of you enjoy favorite artists or bands so let's start with you michael what what is your favorite godzilla score and then you answer some of the other questions that nick asked
0: um my one of uh, my favorite score fluctuates uh quite frequently my, m- as much as my favorite movie does consistently I'm more of a fan of the classic Ifakube scores uh from the showa era although Right now, one of my favorite, you know, Godzilla scores has to be the one from Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, uh, Mechagodzilla two, uh, not Mechagodzilla two, even though that's a fantastic score, but a fantastic score, uh, nineteen seventy four uh, by Sato. Uh, that is a Sato score, uh, which is really great. I like kind of the jazz band feel that that um, uh, that that movie has uh, if I'm talking non Godzilla score, if I'm talking like non Godzilla score, ah, war of the gargantuas is always really solid. Uh, King Kong escapes is solid. Um, even, um, uh, 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 what's it called? Uh, uh, Orochi, the eight headed, I think it's Orochi or Or no, it's the three treasures. That's what it is. The three treasures, the three treasures has a, has a really great score. And Nick, um, uh, I want to mention too, if you're with when you listen to this, go on Amazon and get uh, the CD called Kaiju Crescendo, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure our friend Danny will correct me on this. Uh, it was an orchestral performance done at G Fest a few years ago, where they do a live orchestral performance of classic Toho monster films, and it's fantastic. I got it's it's not even all that expensive too. It's, I think I paid like. 15 bucks for the CD. Um, and it's every time and I keep it in the car. So that has been my driving music for the last, uh, couple of weeks since I got it. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's called Kaiju crescendo on Amazon. Go pick it up. It's really reasonably priced, but, uh, as far as like bands and things, that I listen to consistently. I'm not a big music person, to be honest with you. Um, I listen to more podcasts and I do listen to music. I like, you know, I like a pretty eclectic, much a, a pretty eclectic group of bands or artists. Um, I am from the South or I am Southern. I am not necessarily as South as Travis, but, uh, I do like country music. Uh, you know, I like classic country music, not like pop rap country. That's out now. I like, uh, you know, George Strait, uh, Garth Brooks and some others um I like that kind of stuff um you know Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin. I have a kind of a, a love for that because that's kind of what my dad listened to. Uh, 1950s music, like the rock and roll, golden oldies kind of music too. I, I like Beach Boys, etc. Those and uh, those are those are so much. Those are a lot of fun to listen to every now and then as well. Um, you know, as just sort of a as sort of a Christian, I listen to some worship music as well, just for like church music and things like that. And uh, you know, I, I have a pretty eclectic uh group of bands that i listen to you know classic rock acdc motorhead metallica uh guns and roses uh uh it, it, i'm all i'm honestly i'm all over the place nick yeah
1: yeah i'm kind of the same way um i am a pretty eclectic person when it comes to music and like i i listen to a little bit of literally everything i mean i i i grew up in the in the 90s so 90s hip-hop is kind of the hip-hop era that i like i'm not a big fan of modern hip-hop but when it comes to like you know 90s and early 2000s hip-hop i like that stuff um i i grew up listening to country music with my grandparents so i do like some country music and i'm like you classic country definitely you know better than modern country. Um, My dad and my mom were in high school in the late, uh, in the seventies, late seventies, early eighties. So they kind of grew up and, and loved listening to the eighties hair bands. Um, And so I grew up listening to a lot of that. So, you know, your ACDCs, your, your, uh, well, ACDC, not necessarily a hair band, but, but Def Leppard and uh, Guns N' Roses and ones like that. Grew up listening to that, um, and just for my own personal taste, I like a lot of jazz music. I am a big fan of jazz. I I just can sit down and listen to Ella Fitzgerald, billy Holiday, you know ones like that. Just uh, Nat King Cole. I love Nat King Cole. I love listening to Miles Davis. He's not a singer, but, but you know Miles Davis music. Um, I watched a documentary about Miles Davis and that was really interesting. I also watched one about Nat King Cole. That was a really interesting documentary about them too. Um, Those I don't really have. I I want to, I want to say like, you know, my connection to like the, the crooners and stuff, the, the uh, Dean Martins and your Frank Sinatra's and stuff. uh, My love of those is because of family, but actually my even my grandparents don't listen to that music. My, my grandpa, sometimes I'll be listening to Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin or some of those you know, old crooners. And my grandpa will say, oh, that's so old. Why are you listening to that? <laughs> it's like, that's the music that was on when I was a kid. Why are you listening to some old stuff like that? Um, so, yeah, I'm a little bit of everything. But, yeah, as far as, like, individual artists, I mean, I'm not one who just, like, follows an artist all that you know much i i like to listen to a mix of things so you know i i like uh fleetwood mac that's one of my favorite bands i love listening to anything that fleetwood mac put out it's so great um i do i do love listening to michael jackson music not a big fan of the person but i i have a big separation between you know the art and the artist i like his music so michael jackson um But yeah, I mean, Dr. Dre, I like Dr. Dre. Um, I like, you know, country stars, too. So it's like, you know, I'm just I'm really literally all over the place. Uh, But uh, as far as Godzilla (laughs) scores go, I'm actually and I don't know why as much as if Fuku is obviously the king and the greatest and in all hail, I I tend to re-listen to and enjoy the newer scores for the newer films than I do the older ones. So I the ones I tend to listen to are like Shen Godzilla and uh Godzilla King of the Monsters which is is my favorite Bear McCreary I think did a fantastic job with that and and it is still when I get when I want to get pumped up I will put on that score because there is so much just power in the score for that King of the Monsters uh score so so yeah it's it that those are the ones that I lean towards even though I know They wouldn't exist without the originals and the originals are are great and fantastic and they're classics, but the ones I tend to reach for when I want to listen to something and I want to listen to a Godzilla score, it's the newer ones. And speaking of scores, the the trivia question for this week actually has to do with the soundtrack of a movie, so stay tuned for that. But just real quick, just want to say, if you would like to have your question read out on the podcast like Nick's, and we're going to be reading a few more that Nick sent through over the next couple of weeks, uh, you can make sure to do that by sending it to kaijuweekly at gmail.com or at kaijuweekly on Twitter, and we will read it out. And now getting to that trivia question that I hinted at, uh, this is to hint to what we're covering next week. Now we're already in the month of April, but we are officially starting our April movie month. Basically are the movies that we're covering for April and our theme for April that we picked out that I picked out is April fooled you into thinking this was a kaiju film. <laughs> oh oh okay so the trivia question for the movie that we're covering next week is what movie has the song digi rap on its soundtrack performed by one MC pod <laughs> and i cannot wait to see all the funny answers that we get from that
0: <laughs> I forgot this one was on the schedule. Okay, without spoiling it too much, this is this is my childhood. This is another aspect of my childhood that I am. We really get to revisit interested. here, not to be too spoiled.
1: <laughs> I am really interested to see how well you think this movie holds up because I've seen it in recent years. I don't know if you've seen it since you were a kid.
0: No, no, no. I have not seen this. And since I have not seen this film since I was in probably middle school. Oh, prepare to have your heart torn
1: out. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Uh, Anyway, so we're going to close out this episode by saying thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Kaiju weekly, all the links to our social media, as well as for the Kaiju Rupee Facebook group are listed in the description of this episode. You can send questions, comments or answers to our trivia questions to our email kaijuweekly at gmail.com we want to say a big thank you to everyone who has supported kaiju ramen magazine so far the issue fives were on sale we still only have a couple of them left so if you want to get a copy of issue five go ahead and
0: grab it while you can yeah that one sold out that one that one sold pretty quick so yeah we've only got a couple of copies left so grab them grab them while you can for sure yeah, and you can do
1: that and find out more about uh, the magazine and our other podcasts that are in the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network, like The Power Trip, like Henshin Men. You can check out all of those on the website, kaijuramanmedia.com.
0: Yep, and if you're interested in supporting this show, uh, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, uh, just like our good friend uh, Pritter1492 did in their review uh, that's titled Big Scares, Big Friends, A Great Big Pod. And the review reads... If you're a kaiju monster movie fan, these folks have everything you need to relive the best and worst moments of your favorite and Uh, uh, non-favorites. Get around it and get to it. Cheers, mates. So thank you so much for uh, for that review, for that five-star review, uh, Pritter1492. We appreciate that. And if you want to be cool uh, like this person uh, and head on and give us a five-star review or a five-star uh, rating, uh, we'd appreciate it. But if you give us a review, we will read that on a future episode of the podcast. And what that's going to do is help, gonna, that's going to help put this show in front of other Kaiju and tokusatsu fans just like you.
1: Yeah. And so to close out this episode, we're going to help say help control the monster population. Have your giant octopus spayed or
0: neutered. Spay the octopusy.